Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky Women. Welcome back to another episode, and you are in for a treat today. We have with us today Dr. Sonia Wright, who is a board certified radiologist, a sexual counselor, and a certified life coach. She is so well trained, and we want to hear all about this transition. But first, I want to read to you a quote from her website Expressing one's sexuality and creating pleasurable sexual intimacy are both fundamental parts of the human experience. Negative emotions such as shame and guilt block us from owning our sexuality. My job is to help women integrate sexuality into their lives and become whole. Welcome, Dr. Wright. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I mean, that's a profound statement. I feel like that it's somewhere in our upbringing, somewhere in our life, we have developed all of this negative self-talk around sex and we're all sexual beings, right? But then we've got this shame and guilt that are keeping us from having this full intimate experience. You and I just had the pleasure of attending ISHWISH, which is the International Society for Women's Sexual Health. And I know that you probably took away a lot from it. I um, had such a great time. It was my first time. I'm sure. Have you been many times before? Yeah, this was about my third time. Right. Yeah. What I loved was that it's this interdisciplinary approach around women's sexual health. Yes, definitely. I find that that's important. And I think that's kind of where, where I come from that perspective in terms of interdisciplinary focus. Like I have the, I'm a medical doctor. I also trained as a sexual counselor. I also trained as a life coach and I worked in a sex toy store. So like I bring those all together so that I, the work that I do for the women and the people that I coach, I make sure that I come from different aspects. It's like getting four different providers in one. Lovely. Okay. So we've got to talk about your journey because I knew there had to be a good story behind radiologists turned sex therapists. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. People are like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. Yeah. So for me, it has several different parts that came together, right? So one part was that I started training as a physician life coach back in 2016. Well, a little earlier and I, I started working as a physician life coach in 2016. So I was already doing the life coaching side of things while I was doing radiology because I wanted to make sure I could be there for physicians as they're juggling all the demands in their life. So that's where I started. Where did that come from? Where did that come Um, from? I think it came from, I had always been mentoring pre-med and med students. And when I was doing the work for them, I was like that deciding to go into medicine. It's pretty stressful for a lot of people. And unfortunately, a lot of people are choosing to leave medicine right now. And so I knew that people coming along had a dream that they wanted to be a doctor. And I didn't want to be the one saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. So I figured, okay, if they're going to do it, then my job is going to need to be to help them develop the tools that they need to get through medical school and to get through residency and to become an attending, but have more of a balanced life as opposed to saying, just don't do this. I was like, okay, what can I do to help them? So I started doing the life coaching as part of my mentoring work that I was doing. 
And then I realized a lot of my colleagues were suffering and having difficulties. So that's how I ended up getting into the physician life coaching world. And while that's going on and I'm helping people in that area, I'm dealing with my own personal stuff. And I was essentially in a sexless marriage, which is a relationship where you're having sex like three or less times a year than that kind of you get a divine. So the, the sexual intimacy wasn't there. And on the outside, it looked great. I had the job. I had the kids. I was doing all this stuff. But I was breaking, my heart was breaking inside, right? And I was like, I should be able to handle this. I should be able to be a doctor, raise my kids and to have a great marriage. And so I spent a lot of time blaming myself and just not doing the work. And then finally, I was like, something has to change. So I went and hired a sex therapist and we went to sex therapy. And unfortunately, it was too late for the relationship, like too much resentment and anger and everything had built up. And so counseling was not going to work at that point in time. And so I decided two things at that point. One, that I was going to continue and do this work on my own because I didn't want to bring the Sonia that was in one relationship into any other relationships. Wherever you go, there you are. There I am. (laughs) And so I take total blame. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that went on, but I'm like, if I take responsibility, then I will make sure that I sort out whatever I need to sort out so that when I go into my next relationship, that it'll be in a more positive light in terms of sexual intimacy. So that was one thing. And the other thing was like, if I could do something to help any other person or woman that's dealing with this situation, then this is what I'm meant to do because I was already doing the life coaching, right? So I was good and able to have the difficult conversations and it wasn't really a problem for me to talk about sex. And so, but I was like, I need to do more. So I ended up going to a year-long certificate program at the University of Michigan in sexual counseling And so that's how I ended up adding on sexual counseling to my life coaching skills. And then eventually in 2019, um, becoming a sexual counselor, a sex coach. So that's how I created the Midlife Sex Coach for Women. Because I was like, if I could do something to help any person out there that needs it in any way to understand and to process and to integrate and to become holistic in terms of their sex and sexual intimacy, then that's what I was going to do. And I was going to help people save relationships if I could be of any benefit. So that's how I ended up doing this work. Isn't it interesting that we often become the hero that we need? So true. It is definitely true. And then I also, I decided that I didn't want to just know some things, like I wanted to come from every aspect that I could. So then once I finished my certificate program, I went and worked in a sex toy store so I could learn about all the gadgets. And you can't see these, but I've got like all sorts of like toys and fun things, like all spread all over my office because that's like, then I can, instead of just saying, oh, you might want to look into this and I don't know anything about it. Good luck. I can be like, oh yeah, this is something you should look at. Oh, what about this? How about this? So I wanted to bring all that together and be able to provide as many services. And you're right. We do become, ultimately we are the one that can save ourselves. Like, yes, I do the sex coaching, but I'm not the one that saves relationships, right? It's a person that right. and the people that do work that save the relationships. I'm just kind of like a guide or some a resource or mm-hmm. somebody to help you look at your thoughts while you're figuring it all out. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I think that one of the things that hit me in the face, Ishwish, was really understanding that the majority of couples who are having sex aren't talking about sex. Yeah, no, nobody talks about sex. 
<laughs> it's like we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about sex. No, no, no. <laughs> We're just not talking about it, right? We should definitely talk about it more. But it's like one of those hard conversations. It's like we it's almost like we have this script that society gives us as to how sex could go, right? And that script is reflected in pornography and whatever. And I'm not saying pornography is good or bad, but that's a story, right? It's not reality. But right. we're given this story and the script as to how sex should be. It should be spontaneous libido. You two should look across the room and bodies should cross and sex should be spontaneous. Women should have vaginal orgasms. If they have an orgasm at the same time. Everything's perfect and wonderful. Everybody's a size four if they're a woman and six yeah. over six foot tall if they're a man. Yeah. You know, all this crap and boom, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) And it gets reflected in stories like Bridgerton and like different movies. It's always the same. And sex takes about five minutes because you only have 90 minutes in a movie or whatever. So it's not going to be the major part of it. But in real life, it takes work and it takes conversations and it takes adjustments and it's not perfect. And there's so much work that we do around it. And it's worth it because if we put the effort towards doing the work, then it really doesn't take up in the long run. It doesn't take up much space in our mind. Right. But if when we're not doing the work, then it's there always like my sexual intimacy could be better. I suck at this. I don't want to do this. Although I can't talk to them about this. It might hurt their feelings. So many different thoughts that we have in our minds. So we have so many thoughts in our minds, but you're right. We're not saying what those thoughts are. And we, cause we don't want to hurt people's feelings. I, I'm we're embarrassed. Like, don't you think yeah. that the fear of rejection or embarrassment is probably a big part of it? It definitely is. Yeah. But you have to become vulnerable, right. To talk about mm-hmm sex and sexual intimacy. So you do need to be in a space where you feel safe enough. And I talk about the zone of sexual safety. So you need to create this environment that you feel safe enough to be vulnerable, to talk about what it is that you need to talk about. So yes, definitely there is that aspect of it. But at the same time, when we're vulnerable and we deal with the embarrassment and we go beyond it, there's like everything you ever want is on the other side. If we're just willing to feel the discomfort, we can get to the other side where there's so much more that is available for us. If we're not feeling defensive or we're not blaming people or not pointing fingers, you know, if we were just like, hey, this is the situation and I'd like it to be more like this. What can we do together as a team to figure it out? Then it, it can happen. Right. I think that's key is yes, b- being able to be vulnerable, but not pointing fingers and judging. And well, you always do this and you always do that. You know, like how can we collectively come to this, like elevate our intimacy, our sex, our sex life. Right. So I want you to talk to us about the difference in libido and desire, right? Cause you mentioned spontaneous versus responsive. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So libido and desire, I kind of think of them as the same thing. And then we often have like a definition of how it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to be like. Right. And society would like us to think that it is spontaneous. Right. And we're always in the mood. We wake up in the mood. We're like, I'm going to get me some today. This is how it's going. And it's kind of like the the type of libido that we had going in our teenage years or early 20s, right? But we don't look at what our life was like. And so much of libido desire is based on the context of our life at the time. I don't know about you, but when I was in my 20s, I had like 40 minutes to curl my hair. Like, (laughs) ain't nobody got time for that now. Nobody got time for that now, right? So like, there's so much more in our life. So our lives were a lot 
easier back then, less complicated. We had more time for self-care. Self-care is kind of like the basis of sexual intimacy. But if you're not getting sleep and nutrition and exercise, those type of things, then like you're building blocks for the sex hormones and things like that. They kind of get shifted over to the stress hormones. And if we're not taking care of it, who wants to have sex if you haven't slept, if you're just exhausted and and kind of run down. So we need to have the self-care there. And then we kind of build up from that place in time. But when we're looking at this situation, we're looking at libido, we need to recognize there's the story that we're told about libido and then there's life and life happens and changes over time. So, but the fallacy is in believing that it's always supposed to be this way and it's always going to be this way. And as we get older, our lives shifts, our body shifts, the stressors in our lives. We have kids, we have all sorts of things going on. And then we're like, why isn't it just the way it was before? As opposed to being our life is different, our libido can be different, right? So we had that spontaneous libido where like we were in tune and ready to go and like, boom, let's do this. And now most women, 70% of women are in more of a responsive desire place. And, And that's more like you're coming from a place of neutrality where you could be interested in sex and sexual intimacy, or you could just do the dishes, right? (laughs) And and the dishes are looking pretty good because like there's (laughs) a beginning point and an end point. You can estimate how long it's going to take. At the end, there's a stack of clean dishes. Like, it's like, this is great, right? Whereas if we look over at sex, I'm doing it right. I'm not sure if my body is the way I want it to be. I'm not sure how long this is going to take. I'm going to have to deal with a lot of uncomfortable thoughts around it those dishes are looking really good, right? But if you've ever been in that place where at the beginning you weren't necessarily into it, but halfway through you're like, oh my goodness, I really enjoy this. I really like this. And why don't I do this more often? If you keep thinking, why don't we do this more often? Then you're probably in a responsive libido kind of place where you still have a libido. It just looks a little different than the did before. And that is okay. Right. Totally okay. And I think that the story that we tell ourselves about sex is that, like, as it, as Kelly Casperson always says, you know, you are not broken. Yeah. I think that so many women are, are seeing this or hearing this through media and all of the things. And they think that it's supposed to look one way, but whenever they take a step back and can really look at their life, you know, well, you've been married for 12 years and you've got two kids now and a mortgage and a job and like all of these things that weren't there in your twenties. Of course, it looks different now, right? And our energy level changes and our body changes and how we think and feel about our body has changed, you know, and that's okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. So as you were saying that, I was thinking, because I recommend to all my patients, uh, Rosie, the awesome app for sexual wellness, because it is chocked full of short bits of really great information. It also has like little erotic stories. And so just out of curiosity, the other day, as I was thinking about going to Ishwish, I was like, you know what? I haven't even looked at that app in so long. I'm going to pull it up and see what's going on. And I listened to one of the short stories about like, everyday life. And it was again, around doing the dishes. Was she going to do the dishes or was she going to have sex with her husband? And I was like, this is my everyday life. So having it like normalized, having a place that not only provides excellent evidence-based facts about sexuality, right? But also to have a place to hear, to normalize the stories around intimacy, I think it's pretty phenomenal. And then I learned at the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health that you're coaching within Rosie. 
That's so true. tell us a little bit about that partnership. Well, I love that partnership because for me, it's about getting the word out, getting this information out that we can change our lives. We can change our sex lives, right? We do need to do the work. And it, it seems like, what? We're going to just look at our thoughts and then we're going to change. And like, I don't know if it's going to work, but it actually does work because it's based on cognitive behavioral therapy, right? And so what we're doing in the coaching that I do in my program or with Rosie or wherever is basically looking at the overall situation, what's going on in your life right now around sexual intimacy, and then looking at what are your thoughts around it and how those thoughts are impacting how you're feeling and how your actions are showing up basically. And then we kind of, once we identify what's going on, so often people don't want to look so they can't identify the thoughts and the feelings that are happening. Once we identify those things, then we do like this shift over and we can change them around. And if we change our thoughts and the feelings, we will change the actions and we can get to that place where the sexual intimacy can look different than it does. So yes, I work with Rosie on their sex coaching platform as well. And to make sure that that is available in groups and individual coaching for women across the country. So they don't have to worry about like, if there's not a sex counselor or a sex therapist nearby, they can still get some place where they can talk about things and figure out what they can do to make things better. Well, don't you think that that might be a barrier for, especially for somebody in a small town where either they don't have a sex therapist or they're worried about going because then everybody's going to know that they've gone to the sex therapist? Exactly. Exactly. So it's in the comfort of your home and we have it day and night, you know, we have different sessions, group and individual stuff available as well. So yeah, they can just stay at home and they can get whatever that they need. Definitely. That's amazing. So one of the lectures that I really enjoyed at the conference was around pregnancy and postpartum. And I know that your niche is really midlife, which how do you define midlife? I mean, <laughs> I let the women define it for themselves. Like I'm Agreed. not going to come up and say that not. I'm like, if you, if this resonates with you, then come here, come join me. But I, I have women of all ages that listen to my podcast and and that are involved in my groups and get my weekly newsletter and things like that. So it's just, I don't know if you want to listen to what I have to say, then come on. I'm not looking at my youngest client, I think was 21 and my oldest client is 74. So <laughs> midlife is like, yeah, whatever you first, like on either end, then like it might be midlife, you know, you get to divide it. You get to define it. I love that. Well, so I know they have this great new platform as they're working through some of the new research on pregnancy and postpartum and sexuality. And obviously we have hormone changes, we have fatigue, we rarely get a good night's sleep. So sexuality after baby is very different, right? And some of the issues that they talked about were like avoidance, fear of pain, hypervigilance, concern about pain. But I think that the catastrophizing was kind of the biggest piece of like predicting if somebody was going to have pain and discomfort three months postpartum. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about like that stage of life and intimacy in that stage of life? Yeah. So I can, unfortunately, I didn't get to see, to listen to that specifically, but I do have a lot of people that come to me postpartum or a couple, a year or two out. And they're trying to figure out how can I do this thing of being a new mom or relatively new mom or, or mom or parents that have kids like 
under 10 or eight. A lot of times women that have kids under three where they're definitely being touched out, they might have a breastfeeding baby and then they have a toddler running around and they're exhausted and tired to, to begin with. And then they've got the hormonal changes on board, their breastfeed, like in so many ways, in a lot of ways, like postpartum breastfeeding women, they sound like they're having a similar things that menopausal women do. Like hundred percent. They're all up night and day, both of them, right? Things yes. With their vagina is dry. Yeah. They're dry, right. There's so many different things that are happening at the same time that kind of reflect it. So the first thing for your listeners to understand is that this is going to come in waves, right? Yes. And I think the first major wave is around the time of the postpartum and the becoming a new parent type of thing. I think that that is is one of the first ways where you have to really look and see what's going on. And this is where we lose a group of people in terms of the sexual intimacy. And this is where I challenge these concepts that it should be easy to have sex. Sexual intimacy should come easy, right? It doesn't necessarily have to come easy as long as we're willing to do the work and also to recognize that this is not the way it has to be forever. So the people that catastrophize and think that this is the beginning of the end and it's all downhill from there, they're right. It is going to be all downhill from there unless they kind of change and shift their thought process and come up with a new plan of action, which is not necessarily the easiest thing. Suddenly you've got these different kids. You probably still have a stressful job. You might have some pelvic floor dysfunction secondary to giving birth. And so it does not come easy, but that doesn't mean that it isn't worth doing the work. Agree. And you need a pelvic floor physical therapist after having a baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Every woman should uh, honestly, at the point where they're having a baby, if not before, there should be some sort of like, just refer every single one over to the physical therapist. So they're ready. And then if they don't have issues, hey, that's great. But if they do have issues, it's already set up. They've already been introduced and they already have that concept. And that's like very much for the work that I do. I do talk a lot about pelvic floor physical therapy because I want women to understand what it is. And I want them to understand that, yes, there may be a finger in your vagina. Yes, somebody may be assessing the strength of your muscles. And if they hear it from me now, when they get there, they're less likely to get worked up and they're more likely to come back the next time because we've normalized it, right? Right, totally. Yes, I think setting expectations definitely is important. I kind of get tickled sometimes because I'm like, well, yes, you come see me as the gynecologist and you're worried about seeing the, the physical therapist because the exam itself is so much more mild than what you would experience for like with a pap smear, for instance, it's just one finger in the vagina as you perform a Kegel to test the strength. And then they kind of assess, okay, where do we need to go from here? And I think a lot of people don't take into account the fact that, you know, our core muscles in pregnancy have been stretched like none other. And then we're toting a baby or a baby and a toddler, and we're not using those core muscles anymore. Our pelvic floor is weak. Our hips and thighs are weak, right? We're not doing ourselves any favor. And that's where pelvic floor physical therapy can come in and kind of really put all those pieces together and engage because your pelvic floor is so important. Your strength and stamina are so important for your sex life, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'll be like out there and say, I go to a pelvic floor physical therapist Mm -hmm. as 55 years postmenopausal. I've got my own stuff, right? But I'm committed to making sure that I'm able to engage in penetrative sex and whatever type of sex I want to up until I'm a hundred years of age. So that means that I I love it. (laughs) <laughs> a physical therapist now to keep everything working the way it needs to yeah. and, 
understanding of the muscles I need to relax and tighten and things like that, then I'm willing to do that work because I'm committed in the long term as to what I want. Okay. So somebody may say, well, it's just sex. Like seriously, like this is a whole thing. Like it's just sex, just do it. Right. But don't you think that there's so much mind work around like all the thoughts and feelings that we have around sex, whether we've had previous trauma or a prior failed relationship, right? Like we are sexual beings and there's so much that goes into it. Why not enjoy and have the best sex life you can have? Well, that's, yeah, that I a hundred percent agree with you. Right. And so some people might be saying, oh, it's just sex and they are having a great sex life and they don't have to put much into it. There are those people that they breeze through pregnancy and postpartum, they don't get depressions, their body snaps back. There are, if you don't have a problem, I'm not making a problem for you. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that there are, there are some issues. And if that's the case, then yes, I'm going to normalize it and say that, yes, this can happen and let's figure out what the next step is going to be. And yes, our mind does get in the way and it comes up with these different things. And then if we're having any like sex pain with sex or anything like that, then that adds another level, right? If, if we're stressed out around the issue of sex, or even if we're just stressed out in our life, that's going to impact sex and vice versa. So yeah, there's yeah. just so many layers that we do have to kind of peel back and figure out. And that is okay. What isn't okay is ignoring the issue because we think that it's going to get better on its own or somehow I'll deal with this later when the kids leave home and then the kids leave home and you're sitting there staring at your partner you haven't touched in years and you don't know what to even do to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Well, I'm just kind of speechless right now because I'm just thinking, I'm just imagining that scenario and how easily you could let it happen. So, I mean, I'm a mom of four. I have four children. For yeah. my husband and I to have time together, like we got to work at it. You know? Yeah, I was trying to kiss my partner and it's like the, like the kids had some sort of magnet that came running from everywhere and they're like, family pile. And I'm like, no, it was supposed to be an intimacy moment with my partner, but suddenly it's got like arms and legs and little kids everywhere. All right. Okay. So let's talk about that. Like how to be intimate. Intimacy doesn't always have to equate to sex, right? No, not at all. So let's talk about different aspects of intimacy. Yeah. So when I think about intimacy, I, I call it like Dr. Sonia's triad of sexual intimacy. And I put in their pleasure and connection and satisfaction. Those are like the three things that I make sure are in every encounter, if you want. So it doesn't necessarily have to be penetrative sex. It doesn't have to be penis and vagina sex, penetrative sex, or whatever your definition of sex is, right? Yeah, yeah. It could be a little slap and tickle. It could be a little makeout section. It could be mutual yeah. masturbation. It could be looking at each other across the room and being, uh-huh, 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 you <laughs> Right. <laughs> like you get to say what is, was there satisfaction? Yes. Was there pleasure? Yes. You know, was there connection? Yes. Right. So that like you get to define it any way you want to. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. So tell my listeners how they can work with you and in what different aspects, like how do they find you on Rosie or if they want to coach one-on-one with you or in a group, mm-hmm. give us all the deets. 
Yeah. So there's many ways that you can work with me. I am the midlife sex coach for women. So the easiest way to find me is soniawrightmd.com. That is my website. And that has all the information on my individual groups. I have a own your sexuality now group, which is a 12 week group. That's going to open up again in May. We start again in May and we go all the way from whatever situation you're in right now. And then we take each step along the way. We look at your sexual being. We look at libido. We look at anatomy. So many women do not know about their vulva and preach it girl no we don't like there's so much more than that and let me just say that for all of you that haven't heard I'm quite sure you by now if you're listening to Carolyn but only 15 to 20 percent of women have an orgasm with penetrative sex alone so please stimulate that clitoris and you know (laughs) and I'm here for you in whatever way you need to learn more about stimulating the clitoris right so talk about anatomy we talk about body image we we talk about so many different things we go to the sexual smorgasbord we talk about like the different types of sexual intimacy and come up with a pleasure plan. So that's my group. And of course I do one-on-one coaching either as a sex coach or a life coach or, or a combination of the two. And so I offer that as well. And then within the Rosie platform, we also have individual like group sessions in the Rosie platform. And then there is other sex coaches and I'm like the lead sex coach. There are other sex coaches within the Rosie platform that also do coaching as well. So those are the different ways that you can work with me. And I love what I do. It's making a difference is great. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And the Rosie app is R-O-S-Y. Yes. Yes. And you are Sonia, S-O-N-I-A, right? You are G-H-T. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure everybody knows that. Okay. One of the best quotes I heard at Ishrush was only men have vaginal orgasms. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Consistently have the vaginal orgasm. It's a man. (laughs) Like the rest of the women, please understand that you need your pleasure. We're taught, if we're taught at all in sex ed classes, we're taught that boys have penises and girls have vaginas, right? And that's yeah. not specifically true. The analogous organ to the penis is the clitoris. Like your focus is in your pleasure zone is in your clitoris, right? And in your vulva, which is so wonderful, right? Of course, we're not going to put thousands of nerve endings in the vagina. Like a football comes out of there. <laughs> you know, when you give birth to a baby, if you have all your nerve endings in there, that's going to be excruciating. The population is going to die off really rapidly. You might do it once, you're never going to do it again, right? So that's why it's in your clitoris and not in your vagina. And so we do need to let women know that to stimulate your clitoris and have fun with it. Yes. Yeah. Great advice. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure. And I hope it's opened our eyes a little bit more to the smorgasbord of intimacy. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health. 
or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.